As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I am thrilled because Paul Renner is back with us in Home Group after being gone for several weeks. Paul Renner, welcome back to Home Group. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad that I can be here with you. I'm so sorry I wasn't at Home Group. I know I should have been here. Where have you been, Mr. Renner? I've been a little bit busy in church. You know, church recently has been a lot of fun, and I've been thinking about church. We were just talking about this before the home group today. Pastors have been in their own churches. Most pastors haven't been able to travel. They've been forced to think of doing things in new, innovative ways, pushing their teams to new things. I think that God, God is going to use the local church in ways that we have never seen before. You know, honestly, our Moscow church has done fabulous during this lockdown. I mean, we have reached more people than we have ever reached. Our online church is now has about 200,000 people attending. 200,000. That's like 10 stadiums of people that are with us all the time. We could have never brought all of those people into our auditorium. And you know, I think about the spies that went into the land of promise. Some of them saw giants. Some of them saw fruit. Everybody got what they saw. Mm -hmm. The ones who saw giants, they were terrified. They got giants. But the two who saw fruit, they got fruit. What do you see? You know, when we're facing perilous times, and by the way, we're living in some pretty perilous times right now, dear home group. People are pretty shaken by what's going on in the political realm, in the national realm, in the international realm. There's a reason to be shaken, but we have the Word of God as our root. It is our anchor. And rather than say, oh me, oh my, we need to say, I see fruit. This is an opportunity to shine the light. And so let me ask you, do you see giants or do you see fruit? Because you're going to get what you see. And I want to encourage you to focus on what God wants to do. He'll give you fruit beyond your wildest imagination, but you've got to see it in order to take it. Amen. Hey, Denise. Hi, Rick, and welcome, home group. I'm so glad to be with you. You know, when Rick was just speaking, I thought about the scripture in, in Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is, where Jesus says, what our house is built on. Mm. If our house is built on the rock, the storms will come, the winds will come, the rains will come. But the house built on the rock, it will stand. But the house built on the sand, it would fall. And I, I just believe about you. I absolutely believe this about you, home group. You're building your life on the rock and I know there are storms and there are rains, but if we hold on to that rock, if we keep building our life on what that rock is, Jesus and his word, we're going to stand. Now, honey, there's something else important in that teaching of Jesus. He said <clears throat> the winds came and the waves beat against it. Jesus didn't say you could avoid the wind mm -hmm. or the waves. It just happens. And especially when you're living in the end of the days, which is what we're going to start talking to you about tonight, signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. We're going to live in a season different than any other season. You know, I was thinking just this week about the time that we're living in, and the word slither came to me. We're living in a slither of time between two ages. The church age, or what's called the last days, is coming to a close 
it's about to give birth to the next age, which is called the tribulation, and we're living in a slither of time. For 2,000 years, no one has seen the transition of one age to another age. So we're living in that period where there's a lot of tension. We're seeing things that we would have never imagined that we would have seen, and people often don't know how to respond to it. They don't know what to say. They don't know what's right. They don't know what's wrong because they're living in that slither of time that no one has ever had to deal with before. And it's a moment when we need to have a lot of patience, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of restraint, a lot of understanding that people everywhere are trying to grapple with the slither of time. How prophetic that we are living in a slither just before the next age. And Jesus is about to come for his church. Amen. Amen. Hey, Joel, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be with you. And Paul, I'm glad you're with us as well. Thank you, Joel. Oh, yes. And home group, thank you for joining us. It's an honor that we get to study the Bible with you. I had prepared an entire series for the first two weeks of January. They were already prepared. They were already edited. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, move that series. You need to teach on the last days, the first two weeks of the year. Because in the first two weeks of January, people are going to feel shaken by many events. People are going to wonder, what is going on? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond to things happening in the news, to fake news, to inappropriate things happening on a national level? And people could just be shaken to their core. And guys, when people feel shaken, they immediately begin to wonder, is this the end of the age? Is this it? And so the Holy Spirit instructed me this week and next week that I'm to speak on signs about Jesus coming. I wrote a book on this, and this week in the regular TV program, I'm teaching about it every single day. And there's a study guide that goes with it called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. This study guide is free. This is a study guide you really need. You need this right now. Please come get it at runner.org. And it comes with a whole series, 10 parts, just 10 parts. It comes in multiple formats where I walk you through everything that Jesus said in Matthew 24 and especially Luke chapter 21, everything Jesus said we would see that would alert us to where we are prophetically in time. Right now we need to know the answers, and the answers are in the Bible. And we're also offering you my book by the same title, Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. And to be honest, when I taught this series, I went back and read my book because this book is amazing. Yeah, it's a very good book. I forgot how powerful this book was. And if you do not have this book, this is a book that you need. And there's another book you need, and that is my book called Last Day's Survival Guide. You can get through this season, and you can get through it with power, with joy, with victory. You just need to know how. And isn't it interesting, Denise, that God instructed me to write this book over a year ago before all of these events began. And he kept saying to me, some things are coming, and people need something they can grab hold of. They need to know how to put on their boots and grab their Bible to march through this season. That's why I wrote this book. The subtitle says, A Scriptural Handbook to Prepare You for These Perilous Times. And if you do not have this book, come get it right now at Renner. Org. And please remember that if you need <coughs> prayer, we want to pray for you. Just write us prayer at runner.org or give us a call. 
1-800-742-5593. Denise? I wanted to say, you know, through this books, just through the word, through holding on, to embracing the rock, having communion with Jesus, not only is your house going to be safe, but you're going to have a roof where other people can come under oh, it. Oh, that's a good word, Denise. Because they're going to be looking mm. for answers. They're going to be looking for shelter. They're going to be looking for healing. They're going to be looking for hope. And you, under your roof, holding on to the rock, holding on to the truths of God's word, and what Jesus did on that cross, that's going to bring healing and health and hope to them. Amen. Well, guys, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 24. <clears throat> and today we're going to see what Jesus said to his disciples. And when you come to Matthew 24, verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And of course, this refers to the huge stones on the temple mount that had been constructed by Herod the Great. They were marvelous and they were massive. Everything Herod did was great, as we saw in the last couple of weeks. There's a reason he was called Herod the Great. Everything he did was colossal. And these stones and these walls, these buildings, they were just colossal. And in verse 2, Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Well, when Jesus said that, that must have stunned them. How do you throw down stones this big? Those stones are so enormous. They weigh so many tons that even today, we do not have the technology to move those stones, but they moved them in the first century. How in the world did they do it? And Jesus said they're going to be thrown down. Well, today when you go to Jerusalem, guess what? You can see the stones that were thrown down. They were thrown down in the year 70. And that was an event that seemed like it was impossible. But when you see those stones that are still laying there in the same place where they fell in the year 70, those stones are like the announcement. If this happened, then everything else Jesus said in this chapter is also going to come to pass. These were the authenticating marks that what he was about to say and what he was about to teach really is going to happen. Then when you come to verse 3. Jesus and his disciples have moved from the Temple Mount over to the Mount of Olives. And it says, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And in this verse, the disciples use five very key words. And this really is the anchor to what we're going to be talking about this week in home group. What did they say? First of all, they said, tell us when. Everybody say when. When. When, when shall these things be? And what. Everybody say what. What. Shall be the sign. Everybody say sign. Sign. Of thy coming and of the end. Everybody say end. And. End. And of the world. Everybody say world. World. Well, let's look at this. First of all, when they said to Jesus, tell us when. This word when is a Greek word, pote. It refers to explicit, exact information. Now, this is interesting to me because when no one else was listening and they were just with Jesus, just them and him, they said, Lord, come on, talk to us in a way that you can't talk to us in front of the crowds. We want to ask you some private questions. And Jesus was open to answering their questions. 
And they said, tell us when, pote in Greek, exactly when, give us concrete, explicit information. We want to know with precision when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. The word what is the Greek word T. And guys, in Greek it's a little tiny word. It's T-I. And the word T describes the most minute, minuscule detail, which means they were literally saying, Lord, we do not want a vague answer. Mm -hmm. We don't want a general answer. Be specific with us, T. Tell us in the most minute, minuscule detail, we want to know exactly first, when precisely are these things going to take place and exactly, precisely, with accuracy, down to the smallest little detail, what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age. Then you come to the word sign. And the word sign is the word simeon. Well, this is a very specific word and you need to understand it because when you understand it, you'll know exactly what they were asking. Guess what word it is, guys? Simeon. Simeon. Joel, you know Greek. Yes, yes, I'm studying. The word simeon was the Greek word which described a road sign that you would see when you were traveling along the road. You know, sometimes people have this idea that people in the first century were primitive and not very developed. They were very developed. Yes. They had indoor plumbing. They had ventilation. They had more than you've ever dreamed. And they had road signs. And what is the purpose of a road sign? A road sign tells you where you are on your journey. And it will tell you how much further you have to go before you reach your destination. For example, Denise and I live just outside the city of Moscow, Russia. Let me say. Yes. I'm going to say it. So mom and dad live right outside of Moscow. And when they drive to Moscow, you can see road signs. How many kilometers in our world it is to Moscow. Those road signs are important. If there, if there weren't signs, we would not know where we were in our journey. Mm-hmm. We would just be guessing, where are we? We're just wandering out here. We don't know where we are on this trip. But a sign is very important because it tells you how far you've come and a sign tells you how much further you have to go. And as you continue traveling, guess what? Not only does the road sign change, the scenery changes. Mm -hmm. For example, Denise and I live out in a beautiful area where there's a field and where there's a forest. But as we come closer and closer to Moscow, the scenery begins to change. We see high-rise buildings, industrial buildings. Moscow is a massive, massive city. And the closer and closer and closer you come to Moscow, the scenery begins to change and the signs begin to change because you're getting closer. Finally, you see the next sign. And the next sign says five kilometers. I could say to Denise, well, we've only got five kilometers to go. Drive a little bit further, we see another sign that says two kilometers. That means we're getting really close. And then finally, we pass what's called MCOD. That's a massive, massive highway. Paul, how many lanes are on MCOD? I think it's six on each side. Yeah. Six, six or eight, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's massive. But when you pass MCOD, that is really the border of Moscow officially, and there's a massive, massive sign that says Moskva, Moscow. It's beautiful. And when you see that sign, you know that you're no longer traveling toward Moscow, but the sign means you have entered 
the territory of Moscow. All of those signs would be this word, Simeon. And what does that mean? It means the disciples said, okay, Lord, nobody's listening. It's just us and you. So we want to privately ask you some questions. When? Pote. Exactly, precisely, when, give us concrete information, will these things be? What? Lord, we want you to tell us in the tiniest little detail, what will be the sign of thy coming? But now you know the word sign really means they were saying, Lord, what will be the prophetic signs we see on the prophetic road to the end of the age? Well, to tell us how far we've come prophetically and prophetically how much time we have to go before we reach the end. What will be the sign we'll see to let us know where we are on God's timetable? Mm -hmm. What will be the sign? And what is really amazing is in Greek the word sign has a definite article which means they were asking for one singular sign, just one. But when Jesus answered them, he gave them a whole chapter full of signs. That's one thing I love about Jesus. When you crawl up next to Jesus, he'll not just tell you what you ask. He'll tell you everything you need to know. And they didn't just hear one answer, but Jesus gave them multiple signs that his coming was near. And then it goes on to say, what well, should be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? The world. Was well, the world going to end? No. No. No, the world's never going to end. If you hear anybody say, the end of the world is upon us, just change the channel because that's never going to happen. The world is going to be changed. It's going to be purified by fire, but the world will always be here. The word world is the Greek word ionis. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you a little lesson in Greek. If it was the word cosmos, which it could have been, it would have described the universe. That's not used here. If Jesus was really talking about the earth ending, he would have used the word gase because that is the Greek word for the planet earth. He didn't use that word either. He used the word ionos. The word ionos is the Greek word for an age. What they were really saying was, Lord, tell us when will we know when this current age we're living in right now, when is it going to culminate? We know that's what they were asking because they said the end of the age. The word end, the Greek word suntileus, it describes the complete wrap-up of a thing. Lord, how will we know? What will be the signs we'll see along the prophetic road to let us know we have finally come into the very end of the last days and everything is about to be culminated and wrapped up? That's what they were asking. Isn't that amazing, Denise? Yes, it is. And then Jesus <coughs> begins to give them the signs that will indicate they're coming to the very end of the age. And Jesus gives us these signs in Matthew 24, 4 to 14, Mark 13, 5 to 13, and Luke 21, 8 to 19. And if you combine all the signs together, here they are. Okay, you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Number one. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus says, at the very culmination of the age, there will be worldwide deception. In Matthew 24, 5, Jesus says, there will be deception in the church. 
In Matthew 24, 6, Jesus says there will be wars. In Matthew 24, 6, Jesus says there will be rumors of wars. What does that mean? Rumors of wars. I think you're going to be shocked. Then in Luke 21, 9, Jesus says there's going to be commotions. What's the difference between a war and a commotion? I'm going to be showing you. In Luke 21, 9, believe it or not, Jesus says at the very end of the age, there will be widespread terrorism. Terrorism. In Matthew 24, verse 7, Jesus said there will be warring political systems, warring political ideologies. Think we're seeing that today? Yes, we are. Then in Matthew 24, 7, Jesus said there would be a clash of culture. In Matthew 24, 7, Jesus said there would be ethnic conflicts. You know, there was a time when we kind of thought ethnic conflicts were going away, but today they are fully engaged all over again, ethnic conflicts of every kind. Then in Matthew 24, 7, Jesus said there will be widespread famine. Does that mean everybody's going to starve to death? Well, you're going to find out there's something else to this word famine that you've not considered. Then Jesus said in Matthew 24, 7, there will be economic instability. Matthew 24, 7, Jesus said there will be pestilences. It describes pandemics. And because it is plural, it means they're going to come one after another, which means there will be more after the one that we're dealing with right now. My translation says epidemics. Epidemics, that's a great translation. Then in Matthew 24, 7, unknown diseases. Matthew 24, 7, great seismic activity, which includes more than earthquakes. Then in Matthew 24, verse 9, are you ready for this one? Widespread persecution of the church. Jesus said, at the very culmination of the age, there will be an unleashing of persecution and bullying of the church. Then in Matthew 24, verse 9, Jesus said there would be the legal prosecution of Christians. My friend, that is a possibility today that everybody's thinking about. Then in Matthew 24, verse 9, Jesus said there would be the imprisonment of believers. Matthew 24, 11, Jesus said the emergence of false prophets. I guarantee we're dealing with that. Then in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said, the love of many will wax cold. What in the world does that mean? You're going to be surprised. Luke 21, 11, Jesus said, fearful sights, fearful sights. Then he said in Luke 21, 11, signs will descend from the heaven. And the Bible says great signs the word great from the Greek word mega, which means it's going to have an impact that is global. It's going to be mega. Something's going to descend from the heavens, Jesus said at the very end of the age. And finally, in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said at the very end of the age, you'll know it's the very, very end because this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for witness to all nations. And then Jesus said, and then. The word then is a Greek word, tote. Then, precisely at that moment, then will finally come. The worldwide preaching of the gospel is the finest and the greatest sign that we're at the very, very end of the age. But let me ask you guys. The disciples asked for a sign. Jesus gave them sign after sign after sign after sign, and he didn't give these signs to scare them because God's not in the business of scaring people. He's not interested in that. If you listen to any teacher on YouTube or television that's just trying to put fear in you, change the channel. You don't need to be terrified. God gives you peace 
to make it through any storm. That's why you need to get my book, Last Day's Survival Guide, and you need to get this whole series called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. These signs were given to us by Jesus so we will know where we are on this prophetic journey to the end of the age. Now, sweetheart, I talk to people every day all over the world by Skype, by telephone, and I hear so many people shaken by what they're seeing. They're just shaken by things that they're seeing on TV, shaken by a lack of confidence in government and all kinds of things, just shaken. And somebody recently said to me, Rick, how is it that you're just like a mountain? You never move. You never lose your peace. You know why? Because none of this really surprises me. Jesus told us in advance. It just alerts me to where we are on the journey. When you know the Bible, you have an advantage. Then when you see something happen, you say, well, Jesus said that would take place. That means we've entered into the very last part of the journey. Paul? If we truly listen to what the Bible has to tell us, then we can prepare our hearts. And it's so important for us to prepare our hearts because when we, when we listen to these, these, these warnings or this preparation, there are some things that we can begin to take care of inside of us and we can be that house on a rock that, Mom, you talked about at the beginning of the home group today. Because it's, it's when we really know what we're standing on that we can begin to protect ourselves and protect the people around us. But if we don't know what we're standing on, and if we don't know what to prepare for, then we'll be victims. Mm. And I don't want you to be a victim. No. The Lord doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be a victor. <clears throat> Amen. Amen, Joel. I was just thinking about this. This world is not our address. If you're a believer, your address is in heaven. And like John Bevere says, this is just our bodysuit. Our spirits are what's going to last forever. And our address is in heaven. And I think these verses are very, very awakening. And I think they can be fearful to some people. Because, you know, if you spent your whole life building your life here on earth. And now everything's going to collapse. Everything's going to fall apart. But don't worry, your address is in heaven. That's where we're going to live. That's where Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God. And he is in control. Joel, that is so encouraging. But we're out of time. Tomorrow night we're going to pick up right here. And we're going to begin to see the first sign that Jesus gave. And I think you're going to be surprised because most people just skip right over it. And it is the most glaring sign of all. It's going to be amazing tomorrow night. But remember, if you need prayer, write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593. Go to bed, sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.